Bring out the talent. Bring out the talent. Bring out the talent. Welcome to Bring Out the Talent, a podcast featuring learning and development experts discussing innovative approaches and industry insights. Tune in to hear our talent help develop yours. Now here are your hosts, PTA's CEO and President Maria Melfa and Talent Manager Jocelyn Allen. Hi, this is Maria, and I'm excited for you to join us today. Episode two, season two. It's the years of the twos. We're so excited you're back. <laughs> That's right, Jocelyn. The year of the twos. Oh, yeah. I forgot to tell you who I was. Hi, guys. It's Jocelyn. It's Maria. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only Wednesday, and she already forgot her name. So, hey, so we're very excited for our guest today. For the first time in our economic history, there are five generations of employees making up our workforce. From the traditionalist generation to the newcomers, Gen Z, there are decades of experiences, cultures, and knowledge in our workplaces that each of us can learn from. In fact, the Bureau of Labor Statistics states by 2026, we can expect nearly two-thirds of people aged 55 to 64 to be working and about 30% of people ages 65 to 74 to likely have full or part-time jobs, so much for retirement. So how can business leaders and managers successfully lead multi-generational teams and unleash the power of a multi-generational workforce? We can answer these questions today and more with our guests, Alana Kiefer, and Carolyn Stem from the New York Academy of Medicine and Center for Healthy Aging. Welcome, Alana and Carolyn. Well, thank you so much. So happy to be here. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Can you share with our listeners an overview of New York Academy of Medicine and Center for Healthy Aging and what you actually do and your roles within the organization? Sure. So the Center for Healthy Aging is one of the three research centers at the New York Academy of Medicine, which is located in East Harlem in Manhattan. And even though New York is in our lane, we do work in New York City, in New York State, and then all around the country, and sometimes even in other countries as well. Our overall mission at the New York Academy of Medicine, which we affectionately call NIAM, um, is to drive progress towards improved health through attaining health equity. And a lot of people are talking about health equity these days because of the pandemic. And we have been talking about it for much longer than that. And we have three different kind of main programs at the New York Academy of Medicine. We have uh, a fellows program of about 2,000 healthcare professionals that are committed to health equity. We have a world-class medical history library and then we have a number of different research evaluation and policy programs that focus on a variety of topics related to health equity. And not surprisingly, the Center for Healthy Aging focuses on topics related uh, to the older population, typically adults 65 and older, but there's, of course, some range in that as well. And our mission at the center is to improve the health and well-being of both current and future aging populations. And I am the acting director at the center. And Carolyn is our trustee project assistant. Yeah, amazing organization. You do a lot of wonderful things. Carolyn, do you want to tell us a little bit more about what your role is? Sure. My role as project assistant, as Ilana said, is uh, very varied. 
I have done everything from presenting to organizations, to charting surveys, to helping with different different thought processes and how we go forward. And I enjoy just being there and being a part of this wonderful project that we have been working on as for as long as I know. I love that, Carolyn. I love that part of your role there is enjoying it as much as you do. Like the fact, like it's just, it speaks something to what you're doing, the culture that you have there, and how important it is to you for you to just be like, yes, what I do there is I really enjoy my job and working yes. on the project that we're doing. That's fantastic. So we're here talking about the multi generational workforce, which is a huge topic right now. As you said, it's the first time in our economic history that there are five generations at work. We're hearing it more and more. Can you explain a little bit more, like what it is, how it's affecting organizations and the rapidly changing labor landscape right now? What's the relevance? Well, I could go here. I I find that a multi-generational workforce is a team, it's a team of workers that are not centered on any particular age group, but rather vary in age, temperament, and knowledge working towards a shared goal. This also means that a supervisor, unfortunately, no, uh, that's, I'm just saying that. Ilana, don't listen to me. Uh, It also means that a supervisor could be younger than his or her older employer, employee. But, you know, it seems like we, we, we tend in our society to silo people and, you know, put older people here, younger people here, Democrat, Republican, age, millenniums, and, and we, along with those silos, sort of go adjectives that accompany them. Mm. And it is so refreshing when one is able to work in a uh, multi-generational workforce that the ideal is that those silos are not prevalent. And I love that. So what do you like about being in a multi-generational workforce? What are some of the things that you enjoy the most? Uh, Me, personally? I love that I'm able to share many of my thoughts and not be ridiculed at for being, quote, old fashioned or, oh, you know, why are you thinking that we're beyond that? Because that doesn't happen. I have a very respectful group of colleagues that I respect with their thoughts. And they seem to respect my thoughts, too. And it is a very rewarding and inspirational feeling that you're, you're appreciated. Excellent. And, you know, that's, that's just, you know, a little snapshot of how I feel about the intergenerational workforce. About for you, Ilana, like what sort of impact has it made on you? Like being one, not only a part of this project, but being part of a workforce that has made its, its intention to create this multi-generational cohesive unit? Well, number one, I love Carolyn and I love working with Carolyn. So she made it easy to be a part of a multi-generational workforce and team. And I think it, it inherently makes sense because we are the Center for Healthy Aging. And so who else to provide ideas and thought leadership and direction on research and programs and projects that relate to two older adults than someone like Carolyn, who does identify as an older adult, at least on most days. 
And, and also, you know, I think there's a, there's, for someone like me, I've actually led my career to aging services. So I've always worked in this field and I feel very strongly and passionately about this field. And I do know a fair amount about it. However, I'm in my mid thirties. And so I don't have the lived experience. And, and so kind of everything that I kind of know or think I know is essentially secondhand information. So again, just kind of in the content, the content that we do, it makes a lot of sense. But as I've been thinking about this and thinking about the, this podcast, honestly, I think there are so many benefits to having a multi-generational workforce for many different types of work output, not just things directly related to older adults. We are a fairly age-siloed community, but there is so much going on in this world that affects people of all ages. And so it only makes sense to have a multi-generational workforce. Now you see why I love working for this team. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so well spoken and well thought out. And I like that you, this is already a part of, you know, what you have worked on, Ilana. So I think you probably have brought a lot to the table that has oh, yeah. allowed, you know, see, there you go. <laughs> Carolyn right there. I love this. The <laughs> amount of support that's here. You guys um are giving me like all the feels right now. And you know, it's... I agree with you. I think that there's a lot that comes with experience. There's a lot that comes with like education and knowledge. And I just think that everybody thrives when the two of those things can come together, regardless of which is coming from whom, right? But they both speak miles for the standard of, you know, what does knowledge in general get you, whether it comes from experience or from education. We've talked a lot about the benefits, Ilana or Carolyn. I know that, you know, it's helpful to direct it to either, but I love both of your perspectives. From the point of view of a manager, what are the benefits really of a multi-generational workforce? I think similar to, I mean, again, especially doing the work that we do focusing on aging, it's really helpful to run ideas by Carolyn. And of course, Carolyn is one person. She does not at all represent Right. It's higher population of adults age 65 and older, but it's really helpful to run ideas by her to say, you know, do you think this might jive? Also, just in terms the Carolyn's been here for how many years, Carolyn? 14. 14 years. So just the institutional knowledge, a sense of what has worked and what hasn't worked in the past. It's invaluable. I've only been at IM for two and a half years. So that is particularly beneficial. And, and I think it also just might, might we, we have two other members of our team who are also who are younger than I am. And so I think it helps us to kind of keep up on our toes because I think it can be easy to kind of be in a, I, make, I might be making this phrase up, but like an age echo chamber because we are relatively age siloed. So if we're all around kind of people who are of a similar generation and age, then we can, you know, all think we're brilliant and all on the same page. And it can be uh, a healthy type of diversity to if I'm happy to shake that up in a really good way. There are so many interesting uh, concepts that fly by us. We have, you know, the, the concept of a younger person is sometimes somewhat different than the concepts of an older person who has experienced a lot more than the younger person has. And it's, it's great to be able to talk about this without being without feeling, oh, you know, there's that old lady talking again, or, or, or those, 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 those thoughts are, 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 are old. And it's, it's just really great to be able to do that, to, to express and to bring forth the best possible 
solution to any of our problems as far as our, our, what we're working on. And it's just, it's a wonderful situation. It's a, it's a wonderful situation to be in. And just one note that there's so much work. I'm sure you talked about this on your podcast in terms of diversity. Um, and, and, you know, often when we talk about diversity, we often think about racial diversity and ethnic diversity and age diversity is not as often discussed. And we've right. seen so many benefits of diverse workforces, diverse settings, and, and just want to remind people that, that age diversity can also be uh, very beneficial. Agreed. Diversity encompasses so many things. As we're talking about inclusion, you know, like personally, I love the term inclusion because it talks about that deeper layer of diversity and what it means to bring every, like to literally bring everybody together. Right. So I, that's a part of what we love so much about what you all are doing is because you're diving into a dip, like, I don't want to say a different layer, but not as touched upon layer of inclusion. And I'm kind of setting a, a standard and a precedent on how successful you can be based on that. It's, it's wonderful. And another thing, our work takes us to communicating with older people in different cultures, which adds more layers on mm-hmm. our, our interest and our understanding of, of multi-generational associations. And it's wonderful. I, I learned so much from uh, different cultures that I never knew about. You know, you sort of tend to stick with your culture. And it's amazing, and it's been very rewarding. Alana, can you share what the age range is at your organization, like from the youngest to the oldest? Because I ho, ho, ho. Last time, it was pretty remarkable. Because we do a lot of research, we have college and graduate student interns here. Now, again, not a lot of people are running around the building these days, but, but we certainly have people in their, certainly in their 20s who are, you know, some there are a few that are staff, but also that are interns. And I believe, Carolyn, that you are not the oldest person that's employment now. Really? I, I, I do think there are maybe <laughs> one or two people, I don't know, Carolyn, if, wait, if you're comfortable revealing your age? Well, let's say, you know, I'm past 65, not quite 80, but um, close to. (laughs) Well, I know when we originally spoke and you did mention your age, Carolyn, I was actually very shocked. Yeah, we were. Yes, we we, we, we couldn't believe it. Yeah. So that's that's amazing. (laughs) And I'm still (laughs) kicking here. Yes. No, thriving, I would say. (laughs) Thriving. Your energy is contagious. for somebody 123, I, <laughs> the HR records are locked up. I know. Everything's out. I'm, I'm a big joker. I think I could have told, like, I always say, like, on my birthdays that I'm about 25 years older than I am because usually, like, people lie. You know, if they turn 50, they're mm-hmm. like, I'm 35. I'm like, then if you say that, people look at you and like, oh, that person looks horrible for her age. <laughs> so if you turn 50, I tell people I'm 80. And then they're like, wow, she looks good for her age. So... <laughs> It's a little, yeah, <laughs> so that, that's my belief there. So I know we just talked about the many benefits of working with the multi-generational workforce. There must be some challenges. Can you, can you tell us any challenges that you have experienced? Technology. And right. Uh, right. just because, you know, my generation and really younger generation um, are digital natives and were, you know, basically born out of the world with an iPhone in their hands. That was 
actually was not the case for me or for Carolyn, but because because it is just easier for me and I've been a lot more exposed as has as has the rest of my team to various types of technology, you know, we are more comfortable with, with technology and we it's also easier typically to learn new programs, applications, et cetera. And so one thing that we that we that I've really, you know, worked to do is not to assume that Carolyn cannot learn new technology. And I think, Carolyn, you couldn't agree that we have found together that there are some programs that she is quite comfortable with and yes. programs that she just won't use and we'll, we'll delegate that to somebody else. And that's fine. And and so, you know, I, I've been quite um, impressed with Carolyn's Microsoft Excel skills, for example. And but something like website maintenance, I'm not going to ask her to do. I can barely figure it out. But so we just kind of like we, we just we navigate it together. And again, and I, again, I think Carolyn is actually probably more technological technological skilled than other workers in her age range. So that might be a challenge with other multi-generational workforces, especially as companies and organizations are just going in increasingly digital in every way, shape, or form, particularly in the pandemic, but also just because that's the way the world is moving. And maybe Carolyn, do you want to talk briefly about kind of the physical environment? Right. Well, first of all, I just have to say that my team has been very, very patient with me. And Ilana, you've been wonderful. And this is something that would be necessary to make a successful work environment is understanding and helpfulness and not uh, hold it against someone that they're not understanding SharePoint, you know, and it's it's extremely important that 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 association occurs in in the workforce physically physically as our bodies age our mind may not age but our bodies certainly do it's rather important that there is a like adjustable chairs comfortable not not really specifically pointing out that oh she's old so she needs this and she needs that but generally to make a comfortable environment to work in and and my team has has done that Ilana has helped I've gotten a very nice chair thank you but it was not that was just because of me it's because it was really necessary for we had rather old chairs at the right and and the of course stairs are always difficult but thank heaven we have elevators so that's that could be a barrier, but it's not at where where I am working right now. But I just want to say one thing. You know, when I learned how to type back in high school, I learned on a manual typewriter. And then we had an electric typewriter, only one in my typing class. And then when I had to go out and, and do start temping, we went into DOS computers. We went into the, the mouse came around, then Microsoft, WordPerfect, all these different programs that developed just within my working span. And, and not only my working span, but many people my age and even perhaps younger have experienced this conglomeration of different computer problem, problems. And it's been quite a journey. And it can lead to a lot of intimidation 
and a lot of fear. But if you have a wonderful uh, working relationship and intergenerational working relationship, it does not have to be that way because even though my brain is old, it is still capable of learning. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like the forever learner in all of us. Yeah. Um, I could relate to the lack of computer skills. I'm probably the most computer illiterate person at our company. And (laughs) I have a hard time learning a lot of new technical programs. My IT department kind of goes crazy with me, but in, in a fun way. So they give me a lot of different accommodations. So I, I remember you know, back in the back in the days when we would write our research papers in college and the good old fashioned typewriter with the whiteout. And oh yeah. I, I mean our I can't even believe like our children would be dying right now if they had to do that. Right. <laughs> I do think sometimes in our we, we meet on a daily basis and sometimes um we do see kind of either generational differences or kind of different values or mores that are, you know, and sometimes I worry that Carolyn feels like the odd one out because the rest of us at our team are kind of the more similar generation. And so sometimes, you know, we'll like argue over, like, for instance, Carolyn often suggests like, well, you know, how many of these are we going to print in hard copy? And I always say, Carolyn, we're not printing hard copy. It's all digital. <laughs> it's not necessarily wrong because if, if it's something for an older person, they might actually prefer to have it in hard copy. So we do, you know, we do go to bat and sometimes on those things. I think it's good for, for all of us to kind of hear different perspectives. And then we kind of, and again, because we work in this field, Carolyn, Carolyn's ideas are often, you know, more correct than mine in that way. So we just, we just talk it out. Yes. I love my hard copies. I print oh, on the I write, still write everything down. Mm-hmm. And I use a pencil. Yes, I, I do too. It's it's funny because, uh, yes, yes, <laughs> no, absolutely. And it's funny because, you know, over the years with my kids, with their homework, if they have to, you know, read a long paper, they have this, you know, long assignment, like print it out so you could review it. You could circle it. I'm not printing it out. I like, like how could you work that way? <laughs> so, but, you know, even obviously a lot of our employees here, they never print things out. So, mm-hmm. yes, it's true. I remember I did that once for like, you know, project details so I could highlight important things when I was recruiting on it. And I forget when it was, but somebody was like, how do you like, I just don't like going back and forth between, you know, the pages to see where those details are and then where I'm putting my job description. And I was like, well, pull the Microsoft document and print it. And they were like, what? <laughs> it was like an unfathomable thing. And I'm not talking about, I'm, yeah, I'm talking about a preferential difference overall, but they looked at me like I was crazy right. like that. But who got their job descriptions out faster? <laughs> It's funny. So I love the camaraderie you guys have. Yes. yes. I think it's rare. And I, I wish, I hope that it's not rare. I hope other organizations can develop what we have developed. But we've, we've worked on it. I mean, I shouldn't say we've worked on it. It sort of came natural. Don't you think, Ilana? I do. But I do think that the pandemic brought us brought our team closer. Oh, yeah. Um, because we started after the pandemic started and we worked from home. That's when we started having daily meeting. So we actually ended up having more communication, even though we were physically more distant. But we were up front and close during that time. Yes, Zoom really cool. were. Absolutely. And so, so I think it definitely brought us closer as a team. And, our, and because of, again, the content of our work, what we were doing was actually 
felt even more urgent and relevant because of the urgency of the pandemic crisis. Yes, definitely. Carolyn, I want to come to you and talk a little bit about like a certain perspective, because you have a little story about returning to work after um, a career in opera, right? So one, very intrigued about the opera, the performance. I mean, I am as dramatic as it comes, so I would love to hear about all of that layer of your history. (laughs) But segue us into like returning to work and, you know, what that process was like. Exactly. Fine. Now, well, first of all, I was a Fulbrighter to Vienna in opera and, and, and voice. So I spent uh, a number of years in Vienna and singing, of course. And I, I was in Munich and London. And as in, in Europe, I was a singer and I came back to the States and it's very hard. It's very hard to break that. It's not a glass ceiling. It's a armored ceiling to get to, you know, to join the Met. Anyhow, so my life had been, been consisted of auditioning, singing, performing. I did performing here in, in, in New York and working temping. And this had been my whole life was surviving in the city of New York, going for my dream. And, and my mother, my darling mother, at the age of, she was 91, announced that she was going to come and move in with me in New York here with me and my cat from hell in a, a studio apartment. And I loved her very much. So she came and I, I saw her from a vibrant, vibrant, wonderful artistic woman when she got sick, having to have had an operation and then being placed in rehabilitation. I saw her sort of receding and then she had to be placed in a nursing home and I would have to go, I would go to see her in the nursing home and all the time. And, and I saw this regression that, that just made me so unhappy and when she died, eventually, I was very distraught. And I happened to get in the in the mail a postcard from my city council member, Gail Brewer, here in, in New York, about this initiative that the city of New York was taking, which was age-friendly. And I decided, don't ask me why I decided, but I decided to go. I had never done anything like that. I was too, in, uh, too busy, too to survive in this city. But I did go to this initiative, this open house, or not open house, uh, townhouse, or uh, town hall meeting. And I just got so excited about this prospect of making life great for and livable for seniors in the city. And I decided we, we could do this. We could do that. It's easy to do this. And so at the end of this wonderful meeting, they asked for volunteers and the place had over 400 people at it. And the lineup for volunteers was long and I joined it. And wonder of wonder, Niam, which was sponsoring it with Gail, out of all these people, don't ask me how, but they picked me. And they called me the next day and I was shocked because of course I knew nothing about it. I just had this passion all of a sudden in me, parallel to my passion for music and opera. And it was quite exciting to have 
these two going forward passions. And they, and when I went to NIAM, they took me and I became a volunteer for the Age Friendly Project. And then eventually I, I joined Reserve, which was a senior sort of what do you job, call it? A job, job placement, okay. yeah, job placement through which I was paid and no longer volunteering, but being paid. I also worked at the Department for the Aging through Reserve. So I kept these two jobs on aging. And I just developed this passion for for older people and the struggles that they are going through and and how we can help it, how we could make it better for them. Of course, never thinking that I'm an old person, too, and I belong in that category. You know, when you're that <laughs> you're at no matter what age you are, you're always 20 or 22. You know, you don't really feel that you're a part of the aging process, except for your bones and, and your body. But anyhow, so I continued at NIAM and have been happy doing this work that I, I have always loved now. It was a new, it was a new birth, let us say, mm. uh, a new birth of interest and passion that developed just, just like that. And it just has carried me on. That does not mean I still, I, I have forgiven or forgotten my operatic love. Absolutely not. But it's, people can have two passions or more is about probably what I would end, in, end up in saying. It is possible. It's an amazing, amazing story. That's my absolute dream to go to Austria. Oh, it was wonderful. Uh, yes, that's that's absolutely amazing. So we will definitely have to end this segment um, with you singing a song for us. Had <laughs> <laughs> some of these skills from us. Well, I think Nyan has been trying to that that would be for a long time. Uh, this one time have it recorded before like i mean that is bragging rights for centuries absolutely that's okay, gonna be our tagline from tta we got carolyn to sing before niam did <laughs> the reserve program i think carolyn's for it's for adults age 55 and older is that right yeah i think so i'm, I'm gonna... that's just as we talk about multi-generational workforces if we've convinced anyone on this podcast that they would like to create a multi-generational workforce, you can look that up online. It's the Reserve Program. Program. Reserve Inc. Reserve Incorporated, exactly. And so we highly recommend that. Combining Carolyn's two passion, she brought me to my first opera ever at the Met. And we went to go see La Boheme. And it was uh, a role that I have yes. done several times. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Stop, really, oh my goodness. I You and I need to have coffee one of these days. <laughs> sure. And I could, I am a theater kid at heart. I went to Broadway like every single year when I was in elementary school and high school. And it is, I, you nailed it on the head when you say that people can have two passions. Because oh, yes. Performance will always be one of mine and people will always be another. And like, oh, yes, that's why I love this podcast. I've told you this a million times, Maria, because I feel like it allows me to do both of them at the same yeah. time, which that's let right. me tell you, Carolyn, <laughs> that is something. Be able to do both of them at once. Is, whoop, a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It is. Yeah. 
It's good. the only opera I have seen. Actually, my father took me many years ago, but my father loves the opera. So, right. wow, it's amazing. Great. So cool. Yes. So I w- actually, Alana, my question was going to be about the reserve program because that's awesome. you know, very interesting. How many people typically join a program and how many programs do you have throughout? So, so I just looked at the website. It's actually for adults 50 and older. It's for skilled professionals, 50 and older, working with their communities in a variety of different capacities in both government and nonprofit positions. At 9 a.m., I know at the moment we have, I think it leads to reservists, and I know that we have had others through at 9 a.m. So they're just individuals that are placed in different organizations. Okay. Okay, great. So when you started, Carolyn, you were the only one, or were you starting with? There was another, there was a gentleman who was also, the two of us were on this age-friendly project initiative, and he eventually died. And so then I, I was the remaining reservist working on with, with the center here. Okay, great. And in case anyone is intimidated, it, it's not a full-time 40-hour-a-week position. So, so Carolyn on the books works, what is it, 18 hours a week? Yes. Yes. But she makes herself very av- available, which I always appreciate. Days a week. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's yes. this flexibility in there, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you get a paycheck. So it's just, it's a very smart program. Great. It keeps your mind young. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys have taken so many steps to make sure that, you know, accommodations and like matching things appropriately is like of the top priority. And that seems to be what you guys have really figured that out. It seems to be what really works for you. It, It is, you know, you work so much harder if someone can understand your, your, priorities too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. I haven't even told Carolyn this, but one thing that I try to emulate from Carolyn that I've really learned because we're working a lot from home is that I think for many of us, I think my generation, our attention span is pretty short anyways. And the pandemic and being on Zoom and being on our computers all day long has certainly made my attention span much shorter. And when I look at Carolyn on Zoom, on our meetings, she is paying attention. She is not multitasking. She is focused. And it is always something I aspire to do. I don't always do it that well. It might be Carolyn. It might be her generation. It could be a lot of things. But it is one of many things I think that I have learned from her. Gee whiz. <laughs> we just ended there. <laughs> Cheekwism and we close. That's what I love that. That's yeah. a perfect little sound. Oh, I, I love, love that. that. You guys are proving to us and our listeners. I, I'll say it again, the camaraderie that comes with it, because I think what this does and for lack of a better word, is it forces people to come together and, and work yeah. together in a certain way, right? Yeah. Get the knowledge and information from each other and power, you know, two minds are greater than one, right? And so it allows perspective to be what moves you forward. And I appreciate so much the intention that is behind the New York Academy of Medicine and what they're doing to promote what a multi-generational workforce can do for any organization. Yes. I would love to hear 
from both of your points of view, and Ilana, we can start with you, what you what your final note to the audience would be about, you know, the benefit of accommodating the generations of the workforce that are out there into your single organization as a whole? Well, I would first just encourage people to look around their team and their workforce and and get a sense for what the age diversity is or is not. And to, you know, think about all of the benefits that we have talked about today and to consider if your workforce is diverse in an age way or not, enough or not. And that as 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 people continue to live uh, longer and healthier lives in the U.S. and really across the world, the there are going to be increased needs for services and programs and inclusion and involvement of the older generation in so many different sectors and areas. People don't necessarily know that there's a huge field called age tech. So we talk about fintech and edtech. I'm sure which comes up in your other podcast. There's also age tech. And so who better to help think about technology that supports older adults and their caregivers than older people themselves um, who will be the ones benefiting from it. Carolyn, do you want to share your perspective on what you would you know, say to our listeners about the benefits of having the multi-generational workforce? Well, the benefits are twofold, actually. I think the older worker should really profit so much emotionally and mentally with sharing themselves and their feelings with their co-workers and to respect their co-workers for who they are and not try to say, you know, I'm the older person. I know what should be. That is not how it goes. It's a respect for each other. And when you can achieve that, that should be a goal in a department. And if that can happen, it would be a beautiful multi-generational work, working situation that would profit not only the younger people, but the older people and the, 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 the task before them. And, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing intergenerational, sort of like the master and the apprentice. Great analogy. Wonderful analogy. I was just going to say that. Again, I love what you guys are doing. I love the message that you're sending. I feel it. I love that you are both just as passionate about it from completely different perspectives as we're talking about. And that's what makes it work the way that it does. So kudos Mm -hmm. to you. Bravo. I think you're doing a wonderful thing. Thank you. All right. So now has come the time uh-oh. For our new season two, not uh oh, Carolyn, you are ready for this. <laughs> our she knows she wins, <laughs> right? Yes, that's how we're starting it. It's with the cheat whiz. It's our TTA ten segment. It's the TTA ten ten final questions for our guest. All right, ladies. So I'm going to go about this and say that, Ilana, I want you to answer first and then Carolyn come in right after. It's going to be the same question. I'll only ask it once. You guys just work in tandem. Um, But the goal of this is to answer these 10 questions as quickly as possible. And if we complete the 10 questions and you guys get a special prize, which comes in the form of a really cool sound effect from our producer, David. Get ready. (laughs) It doesn't get better than that. Okay. 
Okay. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Okay. All right. Let's go. What is your favorite color? Purple. Yellow. Who's your favorite musical artist? Everyone. Whitney Houston. Oh, if you could live anywhere, where would it be? Vienna. Boston. Yeah, Vienna. Come on over. What's six plus five? Eleven. Eleven. Yeah, I know. That was, I was, you win that one, Carolyn, because it was like a first come, first serve. Uh, yeah. What zoo animal would you most like to have as a pet? My kitty. I don't like animals. <laughs> My kitty. The Kool-Aid man just burst through your wall. What does he say? Are you thirsty? Don't drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> if, you, if you could choose any other career, what would it be? I have both of them. And I had both of them. Uh, a therapist. Carolyn, I love your answers. You guys are doing great. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Nope. Definitely not. Oh, nose across the board. What was the most recent Netflix binge or other streaming service? <laughs> I don't have Netflix or anything like that. About PBS, Carolyn. What did you recently watch on PBS? Oh, everything. Everything on PBS. I love everything. that. Nova. Yes, Nova. All, all, everything. I just finished watching Bobo Dark. And last question. If you could have coffee with any celebrity, living or dead, who would you choose? Birgit Nielsen. She's a singer, an opera singer. I know there's a popular one, too, but she's she's a Wagnerian opera singer. I have so many. I'll go with Mark Ruffalo. Love it. The Hulk. I'd love to have coffee with the Hulk. <laughs> Wait a minute. Where's their sound effect, David? <laughs> you win. Gold stars and applause. Uh, well, this was amazing. Thank you so much, Elena and Carolyn. We loved hearing your story and about the importance of having multi-generations in a workforce. You definitely inspired me. So thank you again. Thank you. This was really fun. Thank you all. It was a lot of fun. We're happy to get the message out there. And thank you for everything that you are doing. Thank you. If you're looking for more information on our guests today, Ilana and Carolyn, or if you yourself want to become a part of the TTA Talent Network, visit us at thetrainingassociates.com. We'll see you later.